was kind of amazed by what I was saying. I looked at my kid and, you know, he's like, I don't watch cartoons. I watch YouTube. And I was like, whoa, what is going on with this content on YouTube? And even since then, over the past two years, I've just seen these platforms proliferate. But these people don't have any access to great financial services. They're not treated as businesses by traditional banks. And what's more is a lot of times they're still figuring out that they're actually a business. And I wanted to build something that would help them achieve their dreams and take their passions and turn it into, if not their living, then at least a meaningful source of income that supplements their living. And that's really where Creative Juice was born. Welcome to the SMB Tech Innovators Podcast, powered by Gusto. On this show, we explore the intersection of fintech, vertical SaaS, and how software combats the rising complexity of running a business. Our goal is to share stories, advice, and best practices from the leaders and investors behind today's cutting-edge platforms. Here's your host, Shamrat Nioki. On this episode of the SMB Tech Innovator Podcast, my guest is Ima Gandhi, CEO of Creative Juice. After graduating with honor from Stanford, she found herself working in policy, first as a senior economic policy analyst for Center of American Progress, then as a policy advisor for the Department of Treasury. After a few years, Seema pivoted toward product development and strategy. She led major projects at American Express within this realm of work, including launching Bluebird with Walmart. In 2015, Seema began a new position at a company just as exciting, Plaid. You know the software nearly every fintech app uses to connect with your bank account? Seema joined the company as an employee number 15 as a head of business development and strategy and helped scale their assets under management from 40 million to roughly 5 billion. Seema specifically hired and built out Plaid's global policy bank and partnership teams. Fast forward to 2021, and Seema is now the co-founder of CEO Creative Juice, banking, funding, and business tools, think invoicing, taxes, and analytics, specifically created with creators for creators. Creative Juice offers creators a dashboard that displays data surrounding engagement, a bank account with the ability to unlock access to future revenue instantly, and a chance to become an investable asset, something we'll talk about a bit more soon. So Seema, uh, welcome to the show. I, I think I did my best job introducing you, but your background is very diverse. So I don't want to miss anything. Uh, so in your words, like, tell us about your journey and how that led you to create a view today. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Around my journey, I'd say that it's kind of interesting because today I'm focused on creators and I look at them with inspiration and just following their passions. And I'd say that's pretty much what my career has been built around. I remember graduating from college before going to law school and looking at all these people who are doing amazing things, whether at the White House or on the Hill or in business and asking them how they charted their path. And they're probably 20 years old. I mean, they looked at me and said, you just got to kind of do what you believe in. And I said, that doesn't sound right. Just, how do you do it? Give me the recipe. And looking back now, I think throughout everything I've done, I've just really always been excited about solving hard problems and adding value and in particular within financial services. So whether focus on tax policy or financial regulation or building infrastructure at Plaid, what's always been exciting to me is making people's financial lives better, whether through technology or policy or now through business banking. And that's really been the common thread throughout my entire career. You went from working in, I believe, DC, and then you ended up at Plaid or is in New York and then you ended up at Plaid. Like, how'd you hear about Plaid? Because not a lot of companies that knew about Plaid at, at that time. That you- yeah. Uh, so after DC, I went back to New York. I love New York and I joined American Express, which was really phenomenal experience. I was joining, working on the startup group with an American Express and 
we're going to get just great folks like Dan Schulman, who's now the CEO of PayPal, and just a whole bunch of other amazing folks. And, uh, you know, ultimately, this is something I wish someone had told me, was that we have to find the institutions, their places that let us shine. And American Express, for as wonderful a company as it was, I just was way more entrepreneurial and wanted to move faster and didn't necessarily thrive with all the layers there. And I looked around and I said, I really want to be able to build. I really want to be able to take a bet on myself. And I think that means joining a startup. And that was kind of a foreign concept on some level. And when I started thinking about what I wanted to build or what I wanted to spend my time on, again, that thread of financial services just felt really strong. Like that was the thing that I wanted to spend time on and wanted to focus on. And this is back in what, 2014 or 2015 or something. And FinTech was very nascent. And the big companies at that time were Lending Club and On Deck and these lenders. And I said, I don't want to necessarily go do lending. I really want to go one layer deeper into the infrastructure, the guts, the technology. And in college, I was an engineer. And there's something about building and getting into those building blocks that felt really satisfying to me. And there were only a couple of companies that checked those boxes of being in financial services. And then again, getting into infrastructure layer. And one of them was Plaid. And the role at Plaid was really interesting. It was how do you work with banks? How do you work on policy? How do you have this strategy of, you know, enabling access to this data? And it was a place where I felt like I could add a ton of value. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to work hard and move the needle and grow something. And for all those reasons, we ended up moving from New York back to California. And, you know, I'm from California. I never thought I'd go back and being in San Francisco. And the plaid journey was just a phenomenal one. It was just a really special place to be and, and to grow. So fast forward to today, you're now the co-founder CEO of Creative Juice. Like what aspects, you know, I know you left plaid of, a little bit ago, and then you sort of said, I'm going to start on your own personal journey of building this company called Creative Juice. So tell us about how you led to Creative Juice, what specifically led you to this new market. And we'll talk about this market here in a second. Yeah. So I left Plaid right before the pandemic started, which was just crazy. And for me, I've been there for about five years. We grew the company from 15 to over 500 people. I just let the acquisition to Visa, which obviously didn't work out, but great and all of that. And I was just trying to figure out what would give me that same sense of satisfaction, the ability to impact folks, to create something new. And I played around with venture, worked with some really amazing people who taught me a ton, but I just didn't think that I could get that same level of satisfaction with building. But then I, I didn't really want to be a co-founder. I didn't want to found something. It's a lot of work. It's stressful. Like I was like, I don't want to do that. And just kept on exploring, meeting interesting people. You know, I met my now co-founder who for the last 20 years has been in the creator space. And we started talking about creators and financial services. And I kind of had this aha moment where I was like, wow, creators are actually businesses. Like, these people are making a ton of money. This is two years ago, right? And up until then, I'm not really like a big TV, social media person. Um, if you try to find me, uh, I'm pretty private. I like one of those locked accounts, right? I know that's not cool anymore, but I was kind of amazed by what I was seeing. I looked at my kid and you know, he's like, I don't watch cartoons, I watch YouTube. And I was like, whoa, what is going on with this, this content on YouTube? And even since then, over the past two years, I've just seen these platforms proliferate. But these people don't have any access to great financial services. They're not treated as businesses by traditional banks. And what's more is a lot of times they're still figuring out that they're actually a business. And I wanted to build something that would help them achieve their dreams and take their passions and turn it into 
if not their living, then at least a meaningful source of income that supplements their living. And that's really where Creative Juice was born. We decided that we wanted to build a really easy to open business bank account that you could do online that would recognize creators or businesses, give them access to all the tools that they need to manage their businesses in one place. So you don't need QuickBooks. You don't need an accounting tool. Like everything is just one place in Juice. And you just make it a lot stress-free for creators. And what's more is we wanted to help them get access to funding that would help them grow. So we looked at YouTube and really saw there that those were assets. Those are catalogs of videos that generate revenue. We started underwriting creators and giving them access to funds that would help them grow. And that's been amazing. We see creators that get funding and then go hire an editor and double their revenue within four months. That's amazing. That's growth. These are real businesses. And we're excited. We're just getting started. But we're excited to see where this whole economy grows over the next decade. As I was reading more about the greater economy, I know it's at least I read something about 50 million strong. There is a sometimes a misconception about what is a creator. And then that, you know, I know that when we've chatted before, freelancers, creators, sole entrepreneurs, help me understand how you define what is a creator. Because it seems like the notion of a creator didn't really exist 10 years ago. I mean, obviously people were doing things on YouTube, but it didn't really exist in sort of the way it's being defined today. Yeah. It's a great question. And probably everyone you ask will give you a different definition. So this is definitely just my definition. I think of a creator or someone who is producing content. That content can be original content that's intended to entertain. Like we could be doing a comedy skit and I'm putting it on YouTube and now that's content and I'm a creator. It could be content that is really filling my Instagram shop. There's this creator that I follow, an Instagram account, that makes these beautiful, unique mugs, like special edition drops. Like these mugs are each $90. They're beautiful though. So ornate, like the colors, all of it. And the content on her Instagram shop are just these mugs. But she's a creator. I would define her as a creator, even though she's also probably got her own Instagram shop or Etsy shop. So anyone that's producing any type of content that they're putting on LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, I would define as a creator. And what I believe is that over the next five years, that definition of creator and that definition of digital business or digital entrepreneur are going to merge. Really, if you think back five, 10 years ago, if you wanted to start your own business, you're looking for a retail location. You're paying rent. You're filling that store. You're getting insurance because goodness forbid somebody slip and fall in your store. And now you could start that same business with zero upfront costs by setting up an Instagram shop. Like it's a totally different world, but that person I'd say is a creator because they're using content to bring people into their store, just like you might have posted a flyer in a coffee shop in the years past. So this this content is really a way to sell your goods, sell your services, and also enable you to monetize in a totally different way. And so as you're sharing more about what the creator is, like the notion of creative juice, like what you are offering today. Could have it existed five years ago or even 10 years ago? Like why Why now? Because obviously the, you mentioned you came from Plaid, financial services are, are more readily infrastructure services. Could this have existed 10 years ago? No. I mean, YouTube as a platform is really coming to its own, I'd say over the last five years. And for us to be able to underwrite creators, I think it's still relatively early days, right? To, to underwrite YouTube data and growth. And, you know, we're now heading into a macro downturn, like no one's ever seen what that's going to do to YouTube. So this is all incredibly cutting edge and early. And I think that these platforms are only going to continue to grow. Like user generated content is not going away. Anyone out here who's listening to this that has kids knows that kids engage with user generated content in a totally different way. Like 
60% of youths or something want to be a YouTube creator when they grow up. This is just a different way that folks are engaging. And when I talk to Gen Zers, they don't read. <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way, but they're consuming content through TikTok videos. And content means news, you know, clothing recommendations. Instagram is almost becoming like a yellow page. So is TikTok. Like now, you know, we recently got in a new place and I look at furniture ideas and interior decorating through Instagram search. I just find accounts and ideas that are much more inspiring when before I would have used Google images search, right? So that's different. Like those folks are now getting my views and potentially I'm purchasing through them. And there's still so much more opportunity to help these folks monetize that I'm really excited by what all of this means for the digitization of businesses and entrepreneurs and enabling them to be the businesses they want to be. And you mentioned that creators are are unique and different and it's actually harder. They're seeing themselves as sort of new businesses. When you think about banks today and you're obviously enabling them to, to access new financial services, how do the traditional banks see creators today? Is it they just get rejected right away or what happens today that makes the, the opportunity that you're creating so apparent? Yeah. To open a business bank account still often requires you to go in person to a bank, prove that you're actually a business, what you're doing to engage in that business. And one of the reasons, unfortunately, is that there's a lot of fraud in the space. You know, folks setting up business shops, right? But then grunt for illicit activities. And so I think that's for a traditional bank looking at someone who's creating content on YouTube. It's like, wait, well, you're making money doing this? Like, this isn't a real job. This is a hobby. And so it becomes more difficult to open, not to mention that you've got to go into a branch in person. And then the fees are real. For some of these, it's that $2,000 minimum requirement every month. And if you drop below that, you're charged a fee or you've got to put in a couple thousand dollars to even open the account. And for a lot of creators, that's not an easy lift or there's a, a bit of predictability that you just don't get from that. And we're trying to make it easy, lower the barriers of entry and recognize that that line between full-time business or just business side business is a bit blurrier. And that number and how much time you put into it can flex year to year. But I believe that this next generation, is gonna, everyone's going to have a business bank account because everyone's going to have a side hustle, whether it's consulting or creating or whatever it is. And they will flex that income in and out. But it's really important to keep that income separate so that your expenses are separate. And we all know this. Being a small business owner working for yourself enables you to really monetize in a different way, right? Take tax deductions, your Wi-Fi, your utilities, the car, the things that you're using to help you make that money. And we really are trying to help creators understand that there is a world out there that's intended for businesses to help them grow. Like as a culture, we are so entrepreneurial and, you know, our tax code and the systems we have set up really want to encourage the entrepreneurship, but it's complicated and it can be scary. And we're trying to take that out of it so that you can focus on your passions and your creating without stressing about the business side. It sounds like the vision of Creative Juice is to offer a wide range of financial services. You started with capital. Is that right? You started with capital and now you're sort of advancing into other other models of financial services. Is that true? Yeah. We really want to be that one-stop shop right? that helps you run your business. So that's capital. And yes, we started with capital because it's one of the easiest things to get up and running. We put that capital into a bank account, a business bank account that you have with us, which gives you a debit card. We enable you to generate your invoices and get paid through those invoices with Juice. Uh, you can have multiple accounts so that you can organize your money. This is my tucked away or I'm saving this for my estimated taxes that I'm going to have to pay, You know, just like you might have cash envelopes so that you can stay organized. And 
you know, we give you access to funding. So we spoke a little bit about that, but we're actually launching in the next few weeks. And I'm really excited about this a smaller dollar amount so that funding is more accessible for a wider variety of creators. As we know, the number one reason businesses go out of business is because of cash flow issues, not because they can't make money. It's just money's hitting at the wrong time and you need an advance or something like that. And so we're really trying to help creators understand that all of these things can be in one place for them. And importantly, you know, the regulations here are so complicated that like if you need to send money, right, to a contractor and then the 1099 forms, you're like stressing about all this stuff, we'll help you do that. So basically anything that's part of your business workflow that's related to your money, we're helping you manage that all in one place. And it's really the way that banking should be. Banks should be doing more than just holding your money. They should be helping you run it. And that's really where we're focused. You mentioned, I mean, we're clearly in a, a, an evolving economy right now. And imagine there's there's a lot of risk in these models, specifically like given what you described about you know some of the, the ups and downs that uh, can be, whether it's a side hustle or, or just being a creator and just getting started in your business. Like what's the risk for Creative Juice and how do you think about risk for creators? It depends on who you ask. I'd say the things that I'm focused on, the biggest risk I see for the business is that creators don't treat themselves like a business. And I think for a lot of creators, they're following their passions. They genuinely enjoy what they're doing. And me watching them, I think that's just so admirable that you're able to make money in a lot of cases, make a living doing the thing that you love doing. That is amazing. But because it's this passion, a lot of these creators don't like to think of themselves as a business. That just feels very mercenary and it takes away from that joy of the creating or the passion. And I think that's the biggest risk is that if you can't think of yourself like a business, the fact that you're making money, that you should be managing how you spend your money and thinking about those tools that help you do that, then you know, you're paying 20% or 30% to someone who's doing that for you. I can meet creators for a king or earning on their side business, right? The creator business, twelve to $15,000 a year, which is a lot of money when you think about the fact that the median household income is 70000 And they're paying $6,000 to an accountant. Half of their money is going to an accountant. That's crazy. Like, it should not be that way. So I, I really think that's the biggest risk to our business is whether we can help creators understand that their businesses that they should be putting all of their money in one place and managing it through that. But I think if you're looking at it from a macro economy perspective, I actually think that we have a lot of tailwinds. As more people kind of opt out of the traditional workforce and create online or set up their own digital shops online, they're going to need business bank accounts to understand what they do. And we hope we can fill that void for them. I can imagine you're getting thousands of applications coming in. How do you distinguish between what you're, you're willing to accept to kind of bring it to your platform versus, as you said, there's a lot of fraud out there. Someone might claim that they're a creator and then they have a YouTube channel or whatever it might be. Yeah. Like, how do you distinguish between what's real versus not real? Because, you know, you all, you know, this is also something that's important for you is to really figure out who is, who's real. You know, we're always learning about that. But I'd say that one of the interesting things that we've been able to do is use social media right? Verify your social media presence. And so as a creator, when you go through our system, uh, we actually only allow creators with more than a thousand followers to open a business bank account. It's a check that we use to verify that one, you're probably monetizing and two, that you have a valid social media presence. And obviously there are folks that are below 1000 and they can apply and we can clear them, run extra projects on them. But we get this question, why isn't it just, why can't I just open a business bank account right away? Like, why do I have to give you this right. information? 
And it's like, look, the fraudsters ruin it for the rest of us. <laughs> you know, like we just have to take the precautions that we need to do and verify identity. And social media is a really cool way to be able to do that. And it's obviously, you know, big co-central circle with our target there. But it enables us to offer that digital experience in a way that's pretty differentiated, which is, you know, something that we're really leaning into. And you mentioned that you've offered the ability to get access to new funds. You know, how have creators you work with today benefited from your platform, specifically from the funds you've, you've offered them? So we've invested millions of dollars into creator businesses. And at this point, probably hundreds of creators. And we're releasing a new product that's going to offer smaller dollar amounts on average two to $3,000, which is really exciting as well, because we want to be able to start funding thousands of creators next year. And my hope is that they recognize that when they bank with us, we take care of them, right? We're going to give them tools to help them grow. And a couple of examples there, we funded one creator, I think I mentioned earlier, and they used that money to go get an editor so they could increase the amount of videos that they produce and double their revenue within three months. We have another creator that we funded. They use that for their content, some marketing, and they were able to double their subscriber count within about eight months. So that capital can help creators grow just like any business, right? Like whether it's people, like outsourcing editing, whether it's studio space to increase the quality of your content, whether it's marketing dollars against new content that you're putting out there, that can help you grow. And I think the other really important thing for creators to understand, and this goes back to helping them kind of realize that they are businesses, is that any business owner out there knows you cannot do everything by yourself. You will burn out, you will go nutty because no one enjoys every single piece of it. But longevity is tied to being able to have those contractors, those people help you do the things that don't necessarily bring you joy, but that give you leverage to do more of what you do really well. And the money that we give creators helps them do just that. It helps them get that editor, helps them get that assistant that can take on a couple hours of work a week that they don't want to be doing and then lets them go do more content creation or do the things that makes them want to be in that business in the first place. And that's something that, you know, we really support them on that journey with. And the other thing that we do with our creators that get these dollar amounts is give them a sense of community. We host regular programming for them on how to be a business how to think about YouTube. We're a resource for them when they need recommendations for a copyright lawyer or trademark, or they're working through something that's IP related. We had a conversation with the creator that wanted to actually build their own app and get off of some third party that was kind of doing that for them. And we kind of did the math and said, actually, if you hire your own developer and you take these steps, it's going to be much cheaper for you and you will have full control over what you're building. So those, we really try to be that partner there. We really want to be that thinking partner, right? Not just the place where you go get money. Well, I I know that there's a lot of innovation that's happening, uh, sort of targeting at the creator economy. Obviously, you're you're all an early pioneer in this, and there's a lot of innovation happening. What has surprised you about starting a company in this category? Like, What has sort of surprised you the most? And for folks that are might be thinking about either starting a company in uh, whether they're a creator that friend, but also there are companies that founders we meet that are saying, hey, we, we think there's a huge market opportunity for creators. Like, what advice do you have for them that are also building technology and solutions for the creator economy? Yeah, there's two pieces to your question. One, what is just advice for any founder? And then second, specifically about the creator economy. I'd say on the first, like you have to keep reinventing yourself every year, no matter how strong your thesis is or how much you think you know about running that business and setting it up, 
it's a constant game of learning as much as you can and iterating quickly and continuing to learn more and keep going. And as much customer research that you do or market validation, nothing beats actually getting in there and building and learning and iterating. And then when you make it good and right, then you have to iterate and learn some more. And so there's never really stasis when it comes to creating or running your own company. When it comes to the creative economy, I'd say that it is much bigger than people give it credit for being because a lot of the data actually just speaks to the dollars that are coming through from the platforms. But then there's brand deals, there's merch, there's kind of adjacent services related money that comes in or opportunities that arise from that content or that one piece of that platform that I don't think really gets captured by the data. And I haven't seen a good summary of that really. But that also means that the creator economy is really fragmented. I think some folks say, I'm going to go build for the creators. It's like, well, what creator? (laughs) You know, are you trying to target that 50 million that you talked about? Like there's a lot of differentiation within that space and really being crisp on exactly who you're trying to focus on is really important. When you were raising capital and congrats to you, was it hard to convince investors about the size of the creator market and the need? Or do you, did you find that a lot of the uh, sort of folks that were funding startups just didn't really truly get it. Like, what was your experience and what advice do you have for folks that are thinking about building companies in the creator economy? I think both. I think the question we got most often, I don't have a great answer to even now, is what is the TAM? And I think it goes back to the fact that no one really knows how big the creator economy is because there's so many different ways that you can make money, but the metric that's most often measured is just the platform revenue. And so I really like to think about it in digital entrepreneurship more broadly, and that's really the market that we're going after. And then second, you asked, do, do investors really get it? Some did, some didn't. I met one investor who said, well, you know, I don't really watch TV. I don't really do Instagram or TikTok. So what are you building? And it's like, okay, this is, this is not going to be the right relationship. And I think for a founder, you know, what I'd say is like, don't take that personally. That's not, it doesn't mean anything about you or the validity of your idea. It's just about finding the people that are like-minded and that do believe it and do get it and work really hard and find the people that are going to be there to help you figure it out. Because again, going back to my earlier point, no matter how much you think you know, like you're going to need to learn more and you're going to have to change and grow and pivot. And people that you want to be on that journey with you is probably one of the big things that you should be looking for. So yeah, it's definitely, it's a new space. And you know, I feel really lucky to have investors that are on that journey that have backgrounds in financial services. And so understand S&B focus or that understand kind of this online entrepreneurship mindset and what it means to take the data from unique sources and and use it. So I'd say that's advice for anyone that's looking to raise money is work with the people that believe in you, that believe in the idea, and then just work really freaking hard and see where you go. Well, working hard is never a wrong way to go. I wanted to close off with one question and and curious what you're what you're going to be up to next. You mentioned the new products that you're announcing. You think about your roadmap. I mean, this is all first, right? Innovating in the creator economy, innovating in new tooling for creators. How do you determine there's so much you could do and limited resources? How do you determine what's the next best thing to do when there's so much in front of you? Like, how do you make that decision? And do you have a framework that you use or is it just ultimately gut? I know you mentioned that you talk to customers and and you hear from them 
But I imagine the list is really, really long. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is a really great question. It's something we're actively debating right now. (laughs) Um, I'd say that it's a combination of things. It's a combination if you have to talk to customers. At the same time, if you listen to only that, then you build this like 50-headed beast because everybody has something that they want. And so you have to be able to thread the needle and look for the most common denominator. I'd say the second thing is a little bit of gut. Like, what should people be using and want? Third, you know, there's just what makes sense from a growth perspective or your product suite and how are you strategically ordering the things that you're releasing in order to add the most value to your customers or in this case, creators. And then finally, something that we're going to start doing more of is how do you start testing on the marketing side? How do you use marketing as a tool to understand what engages people, right? What, what gets them to click through? What gets them to resonate with the value proposition? Are they signing up for a wait list? Are people asking you for questions? But from my perspective, that's one of the hardest things is how do you build in the right order and build the things that people will use, even if they should want it. There's a lot of stuff out there that people should use that they don't use, right? But that comes back to what I said at the very beginning that I think one of the biggest risks for our business is getting creators to understand that they are a business, that they shouldn't be putting their money all over the place and Venmo and PayPal and Cash App. Like a lot of these folks don't even know how much money they're making because it's all over the place. And it's commingled with a personal bank account, which if you go to the IRS website, it says, do not commingle your personal and mm-hmm. business expenses. But that's just the way that people do it. And there aren't many people that are helping them understand that there's another way. And so, you know, when I think about the product roadmap, it's like, how do we best solve for these pain points? Like, what is something that is not just a vitamin, but it's a real pain killer? Like someone actually really needs it and it makes their lives better. And at the same time, what are some of the things that we're going to effectively be able to communicate to someone? It gets them to adopt it because it's not such a huge leap, right? That we can start incrementally changing their behavior to where we think they need to be. And that's just a balancing act. Well, we really appreciate the time and, and all of the guidance you've, you've shared around building companies and also learning more about the creator economy. Like what's next for you? What does the next 12 and 18 months look like for Creative Juice? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're heads down on building products. We know the creators really loves the funding and are able to use that capital to grow. And we're going to continue to do that. And like I said, we want to be doing tens of millions of dollars next year with thousands of creators getting funds to go realize their business ambitions. But second, I'm very long on the opportunity to really build that default business bank that works for you because your bank should be doing more than holding your money. And that's where we're going to be heads down doing a lot over the next year. So that's the number one focus. It's product. And then obviously it's acquisition. Well, congrats to you. Congrats on to on an amazing journey throughout life and creative and starting Creative Juice. It sounds like you are onto something huge and, and there's a lot of value that you're going to create in this economy. I know that you said you're private in terms of, of your social media. So if listeners want to reach out to you, what is the best way to reach out to you knowing that you're probably private on all the social channels? LinkedIn is my creator platform. I'm, I They gave me like a top voices badge, which is kind of cool. So... I read my LinkedIn DMs. If you hit me up on LinkedIn, I will totally respond back to you. So Seema Gandhi on LinkedIn, you can find me there. Well, Seema, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, For listeners, uh, for any resources, also to learn more about Creative Juice, it'll be in today's show notes. Thanks again for listening and we'll keep a lookout for the, the next episode. Thank you again, Seema. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the SMB Tech Innovators Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. 
This episode of the SMB Tech Innovators Podcast is brought to you by Gusto Embedded. Gusto has spent a decade building and testing its payroll, tax filing, and compliance infrastructure, which is available as a robust set of APIs so you can develop custom-tailored payroll solutions. For more information, go to embedded.gusto.com. 